Hello and welcome to episode 1200 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Friday, July 28th. I'm your host, Paul Spore, joined this morning by Justin Mason. Justin, I just said it was 1200 right before you hit it, and I still almost said 11-something. How's it going, man? It's good to see you. Clearly, the trade deadline has you shook. Like you, Clearly. You are afraid of being traded. You don't mm-hmm. want to be traded. You've got a house where you're at. Like... You don't want to be sent over to ESPN, you know. You want to, you want especially to with the, fan the, the turmoil over there right now. Yeah. We can't can't be having that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the trade deadline is upon us. There's rumors flying everywhere. I heard Fangraphs was thinking about picking, you know, Sayers back up as a veteran pickup. Mm-hmm. Clubhouse really didn't respond well to it. Said, "Who's that guy? Never heard of him." Type deal. So there was like, there's some stuff going. on. <laughs> you gotta but actually, do what you gotta do when you're competing for a championship, as we always exactly, are at Fangraphs. Exactly. So you know, if we gotta bring Eno in, maybe just bring him in off the bench. Maybe a couple articles on the front page, a couple on the Fangraphs side. If he can deliver in the clutch, especially during the playoffs, that could that could bring us mm-hmm. the title. Um, we do have some trades. We're getting a little bit of the early deadline going with some interesting teams involved with what they're doing. Uh, we'll also play a little three up, three down with some some key hitters and then recommend some two start guys that might have some uh, streaming viability in, in well, a range of deep to shallow formats. Because I got I got an interesting range of guys, including your buddy, man, your favorite left hander from the NL East that we've probably visited about 15 times on the show. He's back in again because it's a really spicy two step. But we'll get to that later. Let's talk some trades that have already happened. Lucas Giolito to the Angels. In a really interesting deal. Um, he's going to go with Reynaldo Lopez, too, but he's not a fantasy factor. That's just a little pickup for them. By the way, these two have to be traded together f- forever. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Obviously, they, they got to the White Sox That's together right. from the Nationals. Would love to see them traded a third time um, at, at some point because, obviously, they could split up next year. Yeah. Giolito's a free agent. But uh, I really do like this deal. Giolito to the Angels for a couple prospects, Kai Bush. And Edgar Caro, you can talk about them in a moment if they have any dynasty value, but let's focus on Giolito. We kind of knew he'd be traded, right? We expect Lance Lynn to go as well. Cease is more of a toss-up because he's got plenty of team control. We knew Giolito was going to go. What do you think of this landing spot with the Angels? Uh, I think it's a pretty lateral move for the most part with the Angels. Uh, you know, Park isn't the best. It's a tough divi- It's a much tougher division. So it kind of equals out the like change in like offensive profile that win might probability, him, yeah, win yeah. probability. So uh, I, I think it's pretty lateral. I don't think it hurts him necessarily. I don't think it really helps him that much either. So uh, it's just interesting to see the Angels be buyers at the deadline. Yes. Now I tell you what, I, I didn't want to make the same mistake I did during the Soto sweepstakes, where I really didn't see it happening, and then it did, and I was like, wow, okay. Awesome. I mean, it's a fun move. Let's let's analyze it and all that. I, I've been kind of feeling similarly about Otani, but again, didn't want to make that same mistake of shutting it down, saying no, it's not going to happen, only to watch it happen. But I was leaning pretty heavily no. I'm just like they've put themselves in this corner at this point where they can't really tear down. Yeah. Nor can they even retool where they just trade off an Otani and try to keep it going next year. They've painted themselves into this corner. It's not a terrible corner to have Otani and Trout and, and you know, some struggles. They have to keep fighting. And so I'm glad that they took Otani off the table. They bring in Giolito. I hope they make another move or two, another maybe, you know, mid-tier-ish type move, like a Jamer Candelario type 
uh, of player doesn't have to necessarily be him, but somebody like that, maybe over at first or third, something else. But I want to see them pushing. And you mentioned uh, Giolito's big addition here is the win probability. I've told you offline before we started how much I would just kill for a W. So as somebody with Giolito, I will say that even though everything else is probably neutral or maybe even a little worse uh, as far as like the division and all that, I'll take the win probability help all day. I, I, I think that's a big addition for Giolito. And so that alone makes the trade a W for me and his fantasy prospects. Yeah, I mean, you got to love that. I think he's starting today, right? Um, yes, yes. Now, question on that one. I, and I said this in the SP chart today that I wouldn't blame anybody for maybe sitting on this first start with Giolito transitioning to his new club. It's been a whirlwind. It's at Toronto. Where do you stand on Giolito today? He's been a must-start for a while. Are you firmly leaving him in all of your lineups? Or are you considering maybe like, let me just get one under his belt and then we'll see Giolito next week home to Seattle. What, what do you think about today's start specifically? I think if you're win-seeking, you go with it. Uh, I mean, like there's just... If I've already to, got him in for the weekly, so... Yeah, if you're trying to protect daily, your folks. ratios in, a, in like a 10, I can understand it. But I think in 12s and 15s, you're probably just rolling with it and just hoping yeah. that... Toronto's bats don't come don't come alive on him, but uh, yeah, I, I think he's. Uh, oh man, yeah, it's it's. I mean, it's a really really tough start, and it's first time in a new uniform. You never know how someone's going to respond to that. So, uh, at least I, I'm actually somewhat hardened by the fact that Giolito will face Toronto in Toronto because yeah. not in front of your new fans or everything. You don't have to try to go out and you know, you never know how guys are going to react to this stuff, right? So I don't want to impress too many things upon Giolito. I don't know him, but you know, I, I'm with you tens. Cause I, I gave him the two X's 12 and 15 X for Giolito pretty much starting him there. But in tens, if you wanted to take a break and say, Hey, I'm just going to put him on the bench. Let's see how this transition to the angels goes. And then we'll catch up with him next week. I could totally see that if you want to pass against Toronto in yeah. Toronto. Uh, the interesting thing here a little bit, at least in terms of like name value was uh, Jared Walsh was DFA because they had to bring in both guys. Are we done with Jared Walsh just kind of as, as a player, really, like, is, is he kind of cooked? Because it's been a while now. 22, 23 are both washouts. He's already going to be 30. He was a late bloomer as is. He's dealing with some pretty tough injuries. Like, isn't there some neurological stuff as well? Like concussions and am I uh, wrong on that? I think there was, like, vertigo or something like vertigo, that. Vertigo, perhaps, at, yeah. At some point. But, I mean. And I, mean, I don't know if vertigo is neurological, so pardon me if I'm speaking out of yeah. turn there. But, I mean. This was, you know, the concern we had with him coming in years. He had thoracic outlet surgery, and we had just had no idea, like, what the recovery was going to be like for a hitter. We've seen it for a pitcher. We've seen the vast majority of pitchers just not be able to return from it or not be the guy. Like, the only guy that has returned from thoracic outlet surgery and ended up being good is Alex Cobb. Um, So It's a rough track record for TOS. Yeah, so... Uh, now we have a little bit more track record, but I mean, he could have been washed before that. And we just didn't know it. I mean, he he's True. really really struggled the last few years. So uh, I think at this point he's probably done. But you know, if he has a resurgence one year as like a platoon hitter, I wouldn't be surprised. Maybe he just maybe it's just one of those things where we need extra years to come back. But at this point, he's you know, what is he in his early thirties? Like he's probably done. That's the thing. I, I I hope I'm wrong. 
I like Jared Walsh. I, I was in on his initial breakthrough, so that was cool. Somebody that I kind of bought in on his small sample, and it and it worked. But I, I'm I'm having a hard time being super optimistic about where things are with him right now. And so, as such, I think you don't have to hold him in in really any league format, right? Even yeah. like when it comes to a dynasty, if if you have a prospect of moderate interest that you're like, Hey, I kind of like this guy. You can cut your Jared Walsh for him anywhere where he might be, um, uh, rostered. As far as the prospects go, this is not a light return. Like when you're trading a reliever and, uh, you know, a, a starting pitcher on there or on his, uh, you know, last year of his deal, you know, yeah, uh, re- rental contract, situations, um, to get two guys who are in the top 10 of the Angels farm system uh, is pretty darn good of a return. So, like, Well, so let me ask you real quick, though, on that. When you're talking top 10, and I remember this a lot at being a Tigers fan because they would trade guys that were like top 10 in their system. You have to account for system quality, though, yeah. too, right? And doesn't that mitigate it at least a little bit in terms of... Kuro is a top 50, top 100 prospect. Yes, he's a top general, 100 guy. Yeah. Yep, I think he was like 61. Mm-hmm. So let me ask you on that, though. Um, it, with respect to the Angels, it is it is a good return, I, I think. Mm-hmm. And I agree that the White Sox did well here with Bush and Caro. Is it easier for you to give Caro as the Angels with the development of Ohapi yes. looking like he might become your next decade catcher? Absolutely. But, I mean, at the same time, like, you know, good catchers is not an easy thing to find. You know, Always like, valuable. Yeah. You know, when, when teams are rolling out Austin Hedges and Jacob Stallings, you know, to yep. uh, to trade away a catcher like Kara who can, you know, he's not a great, he's not great behind the plate, but he's a good offensive bat. Like, that's that says a lot about, you know, where the Angels are at. Now, like I said, Ohapi is, you know, he is, he's arrived, you know, he's going to be back at some point, um, right, because I think he's still in the I.L., um, yes. Yeah. And, and might might be able to work his way back mm-hmm. at some point this year. But uh, Carroll, like he, he's got pop. He's got a pretty decent hit tool. Um, I think he's going to be able to stay behind the plate. So it's a nice little get for for uh, uh, for the White Sox. Yeah. Good, good move by them. Let me ask you on Carroll. Um, it seems inevitable that that automatic balls and strikes are coming. Mm-hmm. So. Does that help somebody like Carroll quite a bit that he doesn't have to be a great framer mm-hmm. because that's going to be kind of taken out? And if he is a good bat, I don't know what his arm status is like, but if he has a decent arm, isn't that catcher going to kind of come in vogue as we move toward the uh, automated balls and strikes, which, again, I think is a matter of if, not when. Like, it, it's coming. So what, what do you think about that with respect to somebody like Caro and other catchers like that that maybe aren't the best framers? Yeah, I th- I think you're definitely going to, uh, and I think you're already seeing less of an emphasis uh, coming up from the minor leagues on guys who are really great framers. Like it's, it's yep. not as big of a deal because there's already the automatic ball and strikes in the minor leagues, uh, and they're expecting. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if that's what's added next season. It's like we're we're going automatic balls and strikes. We, we finally are at that point. So I, I think that's going to be less of an emphasis. Guys like, you know, Tyler Stevenson, who, you know, are not very good framers, uh, are going to be a lot more valuable if they've got a bat. Um, and I think Kiero falls in kind of that uh, pot of type of catchers. So uh, 
yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see what how that changes minor league you know advancement for catchers because catchers have always been slow roasted because they have mm-hmm. to learn how to you know hit but also learn how to call a game and learn how to frame and you know if you take one of those things out do catchers start to advance a little bit more quickly which would change how we kind of value them in dynasty for sure because i i i'm kind of allergic to rookie catchers in general um because of of how long it can take them to come together there's exceptions you know i'm pretty in on adley off rip but yeah i totally get that and so we'll see what happens with edgar carroll in the coming years but good move i think it's a win-win deal like that the angels are pushing i think the white Sox did well on their return here uh, let's talk about a division mate of the White Sox, the Cleveland Guardians. They made a big move. This was an interesting challenge trade, kind of your trash for mine. Can you can you sparkle up that piece of trash? Maybe I can sparkle up this one. Ahmed Rosario for Noah Syndergaard, right? These are two prominent names. Uh, one, one-time teammates. Uh, did they play together in New York at all? I mean, obviously, they're both from the yeah, Mets. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, one-time teammates traded for each other here. This situation where Cleveland has middle infielders. Rosario's dreadful at short. So even yeah. though he's been hitting the last couple months pretty decently, like like the Ahmed Rosario that we're, we're used to, he adds nothing at shortstop. He's a major, major negative there defensively. And then Thor, we've seen he's had a nightmare season. And look, y'all know how much I love Thor. I talk about it every time we bring him up, that I root for him. And I hoping the Dodgers could fix him. I don't think the Guardians can, but if he's going to go anywhere else that isn't the Dodgers, I probably would have picked the Guardians or the Rays. So it's another great pitching organization. Obviously, if they can't fix him, I think he should be mandated to retire because like, look, mm-hmm. the Dodgers and Guardians tried and you still have a 7 ERA. We're forcing you to hang him up. I, I think that probably should be the case. Uh, but let's start with Rosario because that's a lot more fantasy relevant. He's going to go out there to the Dodgers, get into the mix. I think his playing time goes down for sure because he is such a bad defender. And they also brought in Kike Hernandez, who we'll talk about in a moment. In fact, I'll move that up because uh, we'll talk about that on the heels of this. But is Ahmed Rosario, wh- where is he a hold, if anywhere, with this trade? I mean, I think anywhere you were holding him, you're still holding him. Uh, okay. I don't think his playing time lessens that much. Um, I think he's going to play fairly regularly. You think they're going to commit to him as that dreadful shortstop? Here's what I'm concerned about. A lot of six-inning games. He might get starts, play for six, and Rojas comes in and plays the last three. Yeah, I think they could do that. I mean, that's what they were doing kind of in Cleveland, so um, where he was getting pulled late in games uh, as a defensive replace or for a defensive replacement. So, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, I, I, I mean, it's a better park to hit in. It's a better offense around him. I think this is a plus for him. Uh, and maybe they, they think he, they he, can... will, he was not getting replaced very often, by the way. He's on my fantasy team. So uh, I, okay. I'm, I'm, I mean, at times, but they were letting him play. I think because Rosario was hitting well, too. Yeah. You have to keep, keep that in mind. Over those last 40 games, 310, 346, 431 with a couple of homers and a steal. So, like, his bat was getting back on track, so I think they were dealing with the with the garbage defense at short from Rosario. Yeah, I mean they do have Rojas, who is a premium defender at uh, at shortstop, so I could see it. I, I mean, I think I don't think the move hurts him that much in terms of how many at bats he's going to lose or anything like that. I so, hope you're right. Yeah, I'm worried you're not. That could be. Um, it's just a weird trade, like. 
neither team needed this. Like I, I'm, I know, that, like for the Dodgers, but neither like, team we were... needed the guy they traded either. Yeah. So if I you just... saw a better need, I, I, it made it made some sense to me, right? Yeah. Like uh, we'll talk about Gabriel Arias in a moment. I think it makes less sense to me from Cleveland's perspective. Like I know they wanted to oh, trade. Oh, I fully Rosario, disagree there. But like picking a like I. I would have rather seen him pick up a bunch of like or a couple of A ball guys or something like that. Like I bet they couldn't Thor, get that. Yeah, probably not. He's like, a, Rosario's a rental. Don't forget, Rosario's been around for a while. So I don't and, think you're and getting. And they're not paying prospects. anything on Syndergaard, right? Because I think the Dodgers yeah. are getting all of Syndergaard's contract. Um, but like Syndergaard doesn't make that team better at all. Like I think the point was was that Rosario wasn't either. So take an arm. And if they see anything in him, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if they see anything in him. I'm just saying if they saw a modicum of, of potential there where they think they can tweak something, I don't know. I just think I Rosario wasn't moving the bottom line. Getting DFA'd at some point. Like, I, just, I wouldn't either. Yeah. I, would, I wouldn't in the, in the slightest. I really, really wouldn't. Um, because, I mean, he's been dreadful this year. And again, if the Dodgers can't fix you, can really anybody? Maybe yeah. the Guardians can. They're wonderful at pitching as well. So... I think I get the deal a little bit more than you do in terms of like, I see how each team can do this because they didn't need the other guy. And particularly with Cleveland, you mentioned that you see it less from their standpoint. I see it more because Gabriel Arias is a premium defensive shortstop. And so just getting him in, even if the bat isn't really there, which is probably not going to be, he does have four homers and a steal this year, but he's one for four on the bases. Um, he's going to be a great defender. I think this could help their pitchers, you know, overall, even though they're already pretty good in Cleveland. So I think this is an upgrade with, with Arias. Do you like Arias anywhere like an AL only or like a 18 plus type team mixer? Is there any value there? Uh, like I said, he's, he's been dreadful at the dish this year in 171 plate appearances, 77 WRC plus, but Gabriel Arias, the new Cleveland shortstop. What do you think? No, like I mean, I, I guess an AL only where like every at bat matters. Uh, I guess he makes a little bit of sense probably as a reserve player, but uh, outside of that, like I just don't think he's got enough offensive capabilities. Um, yeah, I, I agree. Boring. Okay, no, I think that's totally fine with regards to uh, Gabriel Arias on this trade. I'm not, I'm not sure that he adds a whole lot, but I'm just wondering if you thought there was anything there. And let's go. What? I don't even want to pretend that Thor might have some value. We can re we can revisit yeah, him no, if he doesn't. if he crops up and starts doing something. We'll revisit it there. So let's go to the Enrique Hernandez deal because Boston reunited uh, Kike Hernandez into L.A. Does he get into this shortstop mix at all? Because, yeah, he might no. be a bad defender there, but so is Rosario is like the worst. So I'm curious if they if they think they can bring in Rosario and he can play some short, why wouldn't Kike be in the mix too? Because, I mean, what Kike does is hit lefties and Rosario's better at hitting lefties, or at least he has been this year. So... Uh, I think I think Kike is a super utility guy. I think he plugs holes for the Dodgers. Um, I think they're hoping to reclaim some of the past glory they had with him uh, prior to yeah. him signing that contract. Shortstop's a hole, by the way. Shortstop's yeah. one of those holes. But, I mean, they've got now, like, three of their bench bats can play shortstop. So, like, yep. I think Kike and uh, Chris Taylor are going to be those – guys that give everybody days off so yep. like, they're gonna play you know at pretty much every single position on that team in order to give guys days off so uh 
Yeah, and I also think the Dodgers are going to add a problem. I was about to ask, are they done? No, they're they're clearly not done. I mean, they've been tied to just about every single major guy on the block. You know, the rumor we saw last night uh, floating around was they were in discussions with the Cardinals on Arenado. Yep, Uh, that's the big one. You know, hey, maybe we don't have a great defensive shortstop, but we're about to get the best, you know, defensive third baseman in the history of the game. So, um, but yeah, I, it would be shocked if the Dodgers don't add some bullpen help, probably add a starter and then maybe another batter too. Yeah, no, I, I think uh, all of that makes sense with, with the Dodgers. And that's going to be the tough part about figuring out this playing time. And I'd be careful, you know, rushing out to get Rosario or Kike Hernandez mm-hmm. even in like an NL only situation because they could be ousted uh, or, or mitigated further by, by the playing time if they bring in some other bats there. So we the kind of kind of. part is if they had any other bats, James Outman's out of a job. He is the only guy on their 26-man roster, only offensive guy on the 26-man roster, other than Will Smith, that has an option left. Everybody else does, are out of options. So they had anybody, and James Outman's out of a job. So, like, they had a third baseman like Arenado, and they're going to shift things around with, like, you know, you Taylor think, and Rosario. He's and, hitting too well. He's hitting too well to move off of him right now. He's back on track. Are they going to add another bench guy? Like, who are they going to DFA? Either include somebody the DFA back, Peralta, or something like a Peralta. You know, Hayward I think is going to stick, but Peralta and Hayward are kind of redundant, aren't they? In fact, and Hayward's so much better because he's a good defender. Yeah. And Peralta's at ninety-seven WRC plus. I think he either gets thrown back in a deal, um, even if it's to a crappy team where he can just kind of play out the string against righties, or they DFA him. There, it, there's no way. Here, here's what I'll go on record saying: barring a complete collapse. And actually, no, I'm not even going to, I don't even have to caveat it. There's no chance that James Altman's going to lose his job. There's no right. chance. He's on fire again right now. Yeah, he looks exactly like he did in April. And yeah, he was dreadful in May and June, 552 and 551 WRC plus, or uh, OPSs. Absolutely awful. His strikeouts really got to him, but he's back on track with a 940 this month, three homers, three steals. It has to be Peralta or Hayward. Hayward's a way better defender. Ergo, it's Peralta. Yeah, it's Peralta. for the next move. Right, you're right. Yeah, you're right. Dave Robertson, Jorge Lopez to Miami. Will either of them close? I think David Robertson's going to close. I mean, I, I don't think you not only make that trade, but the Marlins are taking on the rest of that contract, and that's not a small contract. You can pay ten million this year. There's three and a half million left on the deal, and so for a team like the Marlins who really spends money. Uh, I think you put him straight into the ninth inning. I think AJ Puck and Tanner Scott go back to being kind of middle relievers. Uh, it's a bummer for my main event team where I'm going to be probably having to drop AJ Puck this weekend. So, uh, but yeah. yeah, I think Robertson's a guy. I think question becomes: Do the Mets now trade Adam Ottavino? Yeah, because uh, Brooks really got the save yesterday. Um, yep. So. We'll no, I, I I think I think you're dead on there asking the, the follow up question about what what the Mets continue to do, and we'll get to that in a moment. But uh, let me look real quick here what the situation was in that ninth. There it was, McNeil, Mendick, Vargas. Who's Vargas? Vargas hit for 
uh, Luis Garcia, who's also a lefty. So that's left, right, left. Oh, no, no, excuse me. McNeil, I, I said McNeil. He was playing right field. I'm an idiot. It was Garrett Vargas Abrams. I also said Mendick, who's also on the Mets. I'm a dumbass. Garrett <laughs> Vargas Abrams. Stone Garrett, lefty destroyer. So that's mm-hmm. interesting that they opened up Rayleigh there. I still don't know who Vargas is. And then CJ Abrams, he's a lefty, right? Uh, let's see. So Abrams is a lefty. Said Stone Garrett and Ildemaro Vargas is a switch hitter. Oh, Ildemaro Vargas, that's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Switch hitter. So he was he switch hit for left-handed Garcia. So it was going to be right, left, left, and that's why I think Rayleigh got in. But to your point, Adovino could turn around and be flipped. And then it's really is kind of the main guy, even if it is right-handers, I yeah. think, right? I'd be so, really surprised if Ottavino was on this roster. Um, well, should Rayleigh even be then? He's 35. No, I don't think he should be either. So, I mean, so if you're going deep specking, where are you going on the Mets closer? So are you going Drew, Drew Smith or something? I guess. Drew, maybe Dominic Leone? Trevor Gott? Like, Bro, stop it. I, I I mean, who knows? I mean, what is this bullpen, dude? No wonder this team sucks. Yeah, I mean, another another opportunity to play reliever. I was just about to say. I was just about to say, especially when you said Drew Smith. I'm like, shut up! Tell me he's not in Arizona's ninth district. Who the hell is Grant Hartwig? I mean, like- oh no, Grant Hart. Okay, how dare you? How dare you? The education reforms that he got through in that in that district, and you're just gonna you're gonna besmirch that. Like, yeah, it wasn't a lot, but it was like 75% free lunch I, I can instead of the full you, 100%. After the deadline and guys get moved around and stuff like that, we have to. We are playing. Um, it's probably not you should have saved Grant Hartwig, dude. You should have yeah. saved that one. That's a that's a winner right there. We are we are 100% next Friday playing <laughs> congressman or uh, or reliever. Yeah. Or middle reliever. I love that's it. Right. I can't I can't wait. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, originally I thought maybe Lopez could steal that job, uh, but then as soon as they bring Robertson in right behind him, I think it is going to be Robertson. And then the Mets backfill right now is going to be out of Vino Rayleigh, but wait for that dust to settle. Don't go spending all your budget this week and then watch them get traded on Monday or Tuesday. So be careful going to aggro for that. What about for Robertson then? What kind of money are you putting down on him if you're saves, Jason? You mentioned you have Puck. You're going to turn around and go for Robertson and give the exact bid so that your um, league mates can know what you're I, I can't imagine he's available anywhere. He's been closing. Oh, yeah, that's so, true. That's yeah, true. He's been he's closing not... for the – yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah. I'm an idiot. He's been closing for the Mets. I am a little bit out of the closers loop because I've been blessed to not need them this year, and I don't say that as a flex because the baseball gods will tear me down in no time and, and fucking trade – hater into a middle relief situation or something, but I am a little out of tune with some of those fringier guys, but yeah, I'm actually in a very similar position where like, I've actually been sitting a closer or two in some leagues because that's right. You told me about the one where you had a bunch. Yeah. And like in, like in my main event, for instance, like I'm pretty much at the top of the standings and saves again, wins and strikeouts are really, really bunched together. So like I dropped from second to fifth this week. Um, and it's, and it's mostly because I had a, a just an atrocious pitching day on Wednesday. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, like, uh, so, like, losing Puck is actually a blessing in disguise because he was a guy I couldn't really drop. And now I get to add an offensive piece of VFAB uh, to kind of help out because I've got a couple guys on the uh, IL there. It's always nice when that comes together. And you're like, I, yeah. I, 
the exact reason that you can't give up that guy, I totally get it. You're like, I can't put this back in the pool in case he becomes the full closer again. And now you don't have to worry about that nearly as much. Last trade before we get into some three up, three down, Carlos Santana over to Milwaukee. I I bring up this trade. It's not going to have a whole lot of impact on his value. I'll let you say what you think about it here in a moment. But I wanted to bring up this trade because trades like this are interesting just in the general analysis of trades. And what I mean by that is don't always judge what the team is getting and that's it and just say, oh, they just got a um, 99 WRC plus. What? Who cares? Some run-of-the-mill guy. Also judge what they're going from. They're starting Owen Miller every day with an 84 WRC plus. So going from Santana to Miller, that's a 15-point jump. So this actually is an impactful move, especially with Rowdy Telez out for the Brewers. I think the Santana pickup is a nice little supplemental move for them. Doesn't change a whole lot about how I feel with regards to Santana. I still think he's kind of like a streamer in 15 teamers, but he could catch a heater in Milwaukee and and go off. It's certainly a park improvement. What do you think of Santana over in Milwaukee, uh, as well as the idea of analyzing not just what the team is getting, but what they're going from? to determine whether or not a trade is actually useful. Well, and I think too, like to your point, what has been one of the biggest issues for the Brewers this year? Hitting? Well, just the, in general. Hitting lefties. And yeah, yeah, Santana, because they have a lot of lefties. Santana's a, a career two seventy five hitter versus lefties. Now he's only in two thirty nine against them this year, but like he is better against lefties traditionally than he is against righties. And so uh, I mean, I, I don't know that he's playing every day, but maybe he weak side platoons it, especially if and when Telez gets back. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he didn't cost very much. Like, he, you know, he's pretty much free. So, exactly. Uh, you know, and the Brewers always are going to try to do things cheaply. Now, I think they should make a real fucking push for it because I think you so know, too. You know, who knows how long this window's open for them, but. Uh, they're not. They're they're gonna they're gonna do things as cheaply as they possible. They always play cheap. Yeah. You're you're dead right. They should be going out trying to get like a big hitter. Um, they should be doing what they did with Sabathia a few years ago. Yeah, which is like go and get guys that are gonna make massive impact for the team. They're not going to. They're just gonna make these kind of ancillary moves and hope that it all comes together and that their pitching can take them in you know far into the playoffs. But who's a big and, bat you'd like to see them get? If you could put any bat on their team. Like they got Andrew Monasterio over at third. Yeah. Actually, interestingly enough, they still have Owen Miller in the lineup right now. He's penciled in at DH. I think Tyrone Taylor mm-hmm. will get some of that burn. But he's not even out of the lineup every day yet. He's just further down the lineup with uh, the arrival of Santana. I think the outfield's covered with Yelich, Freilich, and Weimer. I don't think you're making a huge upgrade there. So I think it would be an infielder or like a DH. So... I didn't mean to put you on the spot with this, but is there a hitter that you would like to see Milwaukee chase and be like, hey, that's what I want to see y'all do. You guys got to I mean, go bigger. The the guy that, that I would love to see them go get is never going to happen because not only is he expensive, he's in the division, it's Arenado. Oh, Arenado? Yeah. yeah, like I yeah. think Arenado is the guy they they should be going after. But like a more realistic target, I'm trying to think of, like who the sellers are that have a big bat that have offense, yeah. Um, that isn't in division necessarily. Uh, let's see, the White Sox could be selling. 
Uh, but, but they I, have mostly pitching and outfield. Like I mean, yeah, uh, yeah. Oakland doesn't have anybody. Washington, Jamer Candelario, but Candelario I think just, makes a lot of sense. Like he he does, depending on what Brian Anderson's timetable is. Because if Brian Anderson comes back, aren't aren't he and Candelario pretty similar? Yeah, but I mean, Candelario can, or sorry, uh, Anderson can play a number of different spots. Whereas, he can go in the outfield too. Yeah, yeah and he can play some first. So yeah. they don't necessarily cancel. Like it, it doesn't cancel out Anderson. They could bring in a Candelario and then still use Anderson when he comes back. Um, anybody else from the Cards? I know the card. You know, it's in division, but uh, I'm thinking of their pitchers and Arenado. Gold, and yeah, they have outfield. Like Goldschmidt would be. Oh like, my God! Could you imagine? I mean, like and you talk about I, hitting lefties for Milwaukee, and you get Goldie. Oh my God, that would be crazy. Let's do a little three up, three down. And since we're talking Milwaukee, this is kind of a perfect transition into it because Christian Yelich is our first guy on the three upside, and he's been wonderful. He's having Actually, a great. Before we, before we yeah. move on, just real quick, I, I checked. Or I checked uh, the closer charts over on um, uh, reliever recon. They think Trevor Gott would be the stealth okay. option if. Ottavino and Rayleigh get traded. Perfect. So, so there you go. That's that. That's the guy that I guess take a dart on. Throw a case. buck or two on him and hope that Ottavino Rayleigh get moved while everyone else is putting all their money on those guys. You get Trevor Gott for a bone. Reliever yeah. Recon, the best ones doing it as far yeah. as a uh, reliever work there. Five dollars. Five dollars a month. Five bucks. Well, worth if you're a saves chaser, you're out there always trying to play that saves game. You like doing that. This $5 will make your life exponentially easier. Yeah, absolutely. Promise. Patreon of Reliever Recon. That's R-E-C-O-N, Reliever Recon. So amazing. Yep. Uh, let's do three up, three down. Christian Yelich, six homers, five steals, 344 average, and a 175 WRC plus in his last 30. His overall numbers are wonderful, too. He's having a brilliant season. You know, he's not back to 18-19, but that's always going to be his peak, right? His juice ball era, playing his best baseball at ages 26-27. I mean, 27, he was grand, he was guaranteed to play his best baseball because that's a magic age. But now 31, he's bounced back to a, a superstar level again. 132 WRC plus on the year, 15 homers, 22 steals, blazing hot of late. Obviously, there's nothing actionable in terms of like, oh, go pick up Christian Yelich. He's not available anywhere. But how have you found his uh, his return to prominence this year? And what do you think it does for Yelich going forward next year at age 32? Is he moving up in the draft? Um, I think he's just one of those guys that's underrated. Like, I, I think people, I think people remember the player he once was in terms of like first, second overall pick in fantasy. And they're like, oh, he's not that anymore, so he's a bum. Like, he just got completely overlooked exactly. last years in fantasy. He's the number six outfielder on the player radar, over in the Raspberry player radar this year. Like, that's like he's been absolute money. And, like, you look at what he's done this year with, you know, 15 home runs in 22 stolen bases and a 290 batting average. Like, he has just been unbelievably good. Uh, and then, like, if you add in the fact that, hey, over 10% walk rate, uh, an 11% walk rate again this year in OBP leagues. He's even a bigger monster. So he's been incredible. Uh, he's actually a guy that I said about a month or six weeks ago. Uh, I did like a buy low, car, uh, my, my usual buy low article. Yeah. And I said, I know he's hitting fine. But, like, I think you can still buy lower than he's actually valued at. Yeah, because Yelich's reputation 
mm-hmm. is isn't where it, it needs to I be mean, right a lot now. Of people wanted to sell high on him, uh, yep. and I think if you bought, like you, you're you're feeling pretty damn good about. It's a buy high. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Yelich was a uh, pick one seventeen on average in the main event last year, the fifty three main events. Let's say he kind of keeps just going on a, on more or less this pace, maybe a little bit off of it, nothing too crazy. But he kind of gets to the finish line with say 128 WRC plus and the requisite homers and steals that would would be there. How high is he moving up next year relative to the 117 spot that Yelich went this year? You think he's in the top 100 next year? Yeah, probably. But I think he's just inside of it. I think you know when you add in the where the pitching is going to go because I think pitching prices were a little depressed this year. Yeah, uh, where closers are going to go. Uh, I think he will still be just inside the top 100. I think he's definitely he should move up, uh, but I don't think he's going to move up so much. And I think also he's 31. He's got a history of back issues, you know. True. Uh, so I think there are always going to be people who are like, eh, he's kind of just off my board because I don't trust a 32-year-old with, you know, a long history of back issues. So uh, If he goes low 20s, low 30s on the homers and steals Yelich, hitting – 280-285 and people are letting me get him at the back end of the top 100 he's gonna be on every team i have he he's gonna go 20 30 this year like i mean that's what i'm saying is, yeah, he's like, pacing this, for 25 36 i'm i shaved a little yeah. bit off to, for some you know uh, uh just to build in days, some cushion yeah so you know an il stint for you know whatever but like like so if, if i'm getting 20 30 at pick 80 Again, he's going to be on every team. I'm wondering if maybe he goes higher. If he's, I mean, the question becomes if he's a fourth rounder, so top sixty pick. Yeah, still drafting. Absolutely. Yes, I think it becomes a lot more difficult of a conversation. Um, Adelise Garcia went sixty-five this year, and has been well worth it. Because Adelise Garcia is like the number five uh, or number four uh, of fielder. So. has been worth it. I'm not trying to take a dub on him. Obviously, I'm taking a fat out. He has six steals though. He's only worth it because he has 84 steals, which le- or 84 ribbies, which leads baseball. And so, yes, you still get the the high marks for that. But it's it's, hard it's to the steal old show when you're jogging around the bases. Sure, like, but it's it it's the old like showing your work when we were learning math. If you didn't show the work properly, the answer didn't you didn't get full credit. Which is bullshit. Absolute bullshit. I do math in my head. It's like the thing I hated the most in school was getting marked down because I didn't show my work. I was like, well, how do I know you didn't cheat? Because I was the first person done with the fucking test. That's how. I walked out 15 minutes before everybody. You know, make them show their work. Make them show their work. That's fair. You should be grateful I didn't show my work because then you knew no one else was copying me because they showed theirs. (laughs) Serious question, though, about Adelise Garcia. You only have six steals. You got him for power and speed. Yet you have the fourth outfielder in baseball. So do you get slapped across the face if you start bitching and moaning about the returns? Or do you have a valid beef that, like, yeah, I appreciate yeah, all these valid. ribbies. Deals have been much easier to get this year. So, like, Okay. I'm, I'm just asking you the question, by the way. I wasn't anywhere near Adelie. Like I said, I take a fat L on him. I didn't get him anywhere. Like, I, I wasn't taking him where he was going, but... He wasn't a guy who was off my board necessarily. So here's my point, though. Adelise Garcia put 27-25 last year with a 250 average. Dog shit plate skills going into his age 30 season. This is why I was not in on him. Yelich, yeah. exponentially better plate skills. Age 32 with some injury risk, sure. But a 20-30 season. 
why would you be more comp? Why why did you like Adelise at sixty five this year, but you would balk at that with Yelich at sixty five? He's a better well, player doing uh, the I same thing. Think, I wasn't thinking Adelise. I didn't end up with him anywhere. I had him below where the market did, and, and okay. I'll end up being wrong. And so, like, um, but I was I was much more likely to end up with Christian Yelich, and I did end up with Christian Yelich in a number of leagues um, because the discount was just too great. Like, yeah, you know, but so the discount's getting wiped. A much better version of this then at this price point. I mean, the other outfielders that are going up here, Schwarber at 60, Adelise at 65, Teoscar at 70, and, it, and George Springer 73. You're putting a Yelich in that range if he's even, you know, uh, Cedric Mullins at 55, even if Yelich is up at that area. I, I don't really have any problems with it. Uh, shout out to Adelise Garcia who completely changed. Shut his no, underlying shut the fuck up. Yeah, I mean, no, like, and that, honestly, that's why I, that's why I lose. By the way, because I I, I didn't yeah. see that coming. No, and he, he, you know he, he lessened his O swing by eight percent. Yeah, he raised his Z, uh, zone contact by almost four percent. His swing strike rate is down three and a half percent. Like that's huge. He made himself a better hitter. He did, uh, and, and I think what we missed on, not necessarily. Like, I don't think you could have predicted this because he no. kind of. But what we what we didn't like give credit for is like, hey, he's just a really good athlete, and he can make improvements. And no, um, no, um, there there was no reason to believe that he can make improvements though. A thirty percent K rate with a, a five six percent walk rate that's a bad profile. It always has been, and at age thirty, there's no reason. And listen. Some the Adelise lovers that are laughing in my face about being wrong are going to be like, you're just trying to justify. I'm not just justifying. I'll, I'll eat the L, but the explanation, the, the, the strategy remains sound. Don't bet on 30 year olds with terrible plate skills, even with power and speed. This worked, but he improved, but I don't think his believers saw the improvement. They saw 25 yeah. steals, uh, and 27 homers last year and with, said, Oh, I'm going to buy that. Because they knew well, with great play. defense that will keep his playing time, but sub 300 OBPs at age 30, they don't improve. And th he did up to 333 this year. And hey, hats off to you, Adelise. But I don't think that the process here is wrong to fade bad plate skilled 30 year olds. No, and so I'm going to continue to do that. But anyway, with Yelich, if he's up in that Adelise Garcia range next year, I'm going to feel that that's a bit of a discount. I feel like he, if he continues on the path that Yelich has had this year, he should be a top 40. So anything out of that, uh, I'm taking that. Okay. He should be. If he goes 20-30, yeah. he should be top 40. If he's not and he's more Cedric Mullins, pick 55, or um, Adelise Garcia, pick 65, then Yelich is going to be on a ton of my teams next year. Yeah. Let's talk Jaron Duran, a little bit younger version here. Not of Yelich, actually a little bit younger version of Adelise Garcia, I would say, in a way, right? Where he has some rough plate skills, but he has some pop, ton of speed this year, six homers, 21 steals. So he's kind of a reverse of this of uh, Adelise's numbers this year. But I'm just talking in terms of terrible plate skills, 25% K, 7% walk. But he's riding a crazy Babbitt. It's still up at 407. Part of it is his speed. Jaron Duran's speed does influence his Babbitt positively. So it's not just pure luck. But 407 is so difficult. It's very rare that anybody can maintain a 400 for an entire year, let alone beyond that. What have you seen from Duran in these 81 games? Obviously, you can do the lazy double up and say 12, 
12.42 is his full season pace, but we don't believe that because we don't believe another half season would include a 4.07 Babbitt. So what do you do with Duran? Are you are you believing in him, uh, 26-year-old out of Boston? Oh, man, this is really, really tough. Um, because, I mean, one of the issues with Duran in the past is, like, he's just he's swung and missed so darn much. Um, but he's... At, he showed elite plate skills this year, and I'm I'm really, really I mean he completely kind of changed over what he had done previously in the major leagues. Ninety one percent zone contact in the year. If you just like go from the end of June, June twenty fourth was the random date that I picked. Ninety six percent zone contact. Dang. Um, I mean, that, that that almost fits. Like, I'm looking last 30. That's why Duran's on here. Three homers, seven steals, 388 average, 205 WRC plus in the last 30. With that 96% zone contact for Jaron Duran, he was at 88 last year. Now, here's the interesting thing. You, you talk about his his core plate skills improving. It's only yielded a three-point dip in K rate down to 25%. And then the walk rate's only up a half point, which is nothing from 6.3 to 6.8. So basically from six to seven, we'll be, we'll be gracious here and give him that. So why isn't it mani manifesting in better results? I mean, a 3% strikeout improvement is okay for Jaron Duran, but is he just getting the Babbitt from these improved plate skills? Yeah, I, I mean, I think for the most part, I mean, he still puts the ball on the ground like 43% of the time. And so he's got a 30% fly ball rate. Like, it's just a lot of contact on the ground. Um, which well, that helps with fast, Babbitt. Yeah, he's fast enough. And when you're hitting the ball on the ground, talked about this before, it goes it goes harder. Like, it's yeah, it, it goes faster. Like, it's harder contact. Like, when we see these guys who have, you know, high exit velocities, but they just need to raise their launch angle. Well, like you don't get to keep all of that exit velocity. Very rate, rare that, yeah. yeah. When you raise it, unless you're Vlad Guerrero Jr., right? Like, um, yeah. So, like, I think Duran will probably continue to be kind of what he's been, which is a pretty valuable commodity in fantasy, right? Like, he's a guy who's going to get on base and hit for a good batting average because he can outrun a lot of the ground balls that he has. There's also going to be slumps right like he's gonna go through periods in which those ground balls are finding gloves and not finding holes so uh hasn't gone through that yet but he yeah. will yeah will he get to you know will jaron duran get to the finish line before that happens though right we see that sometimes with these babip surgers is that they do kind of hold it for a year and he wouldn't even have to do it all year right he has 81 yeah. games this thus far with two more months on the books Okay, let's let's put some numbers to it then. The projections have Jaron Duran for four homers and nine steals the rest of the way with a two sixty something average, which is pretty solid. Do you think he can reach, beat, or exceed that, Jaron Duran? Say with the lightness again. Uh, four homers, nine steals, and a two sixty something average. I think he could probably. I think he. I think he can beat the stolen bases on that. Like I mean. Like I think he's a yeah. guy that could easily steal fifteen plus rest of the way, if he you know if things break right for him. Um, I'm just trying to see if I can find his ex Babbitt. Like what is his deserved Babbitt? Um, where is that on Savant? That I don't know. I didn't know they did ex Babbitt. Someplace does ex Babbitt. That makes Maybe sense. Pitcherless. Maybe Pitcherless does it. Now I, I would say you look at Duran. And you see the improved hard hit rate, as you mentioned, 46%, uh, up nine points. 
And with the ground ball, although his ground ball rate's actually down from 51 to 44, but mm-hmm. line drives are up too. So a lot of, a lot of Babbitt fueled, uh, a, a lot of, uh, uh, good ways to generate a high Babbitt with the harder hits, with the ground balls and line drives. So you see how he's getting to such a gaudy number. It's just that you never predict anybody to hold a 400 type number. No, I mean, I think like, Best case scenario, he he's like a 350 Babbitt rest of the way, probably closer to 340. Um, so the batting average is going to tick down. Like he's probably going to be like a 270 hitter rest of the way, but a 270 hitter with a handful of home runs and double digit stolen bases rest of the way is really really valuable. And you know, in Boston, at worst, they're going to like send away outfielders. Uh, yeah, so Duran's yeah. going to get to play. Like I mean, there's no world in which Duran loses playing time uh, kind of rest of the way. So, uh, yeah, I mean, if someone wants to sell high on him, like, I'm okay buying high. Like, that's that's not an issue for me. If I need the speed in particular, yeah, I, th- I think I'm inclined I was to maybe – I was early on him, unfortunately. Yeah, you liked him last year? I, I, I didn't yeah, remember that. I, but... I drafted him in a bunch of leagues, like, right at the end and, and just didn't pan out. But, um, you know, whatever. Next, you know, next year I'll be back in on him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, hey, I'm I'm all about being chronically a year early. That's yeah. that used to be like one of my favorite things to do. Uh, last of our three up here, Willie Castro. Now you were talking about some steals. How many steals does Willie Castro have? Uh, fourteen. Twenty-five. Wow. That's in insane. only thirteen games played. No, I'm just kidding. But he doesn't play that much is the, is the joke I'm trying to make here with Willie Castro. To this point, how many ribbies does Willie Castro have? 14. 22. <laughs> so fucking close. 22 and, and 25 steals. He's That's 25 insane. for 29 on the bases. He's got, you know, he, he got some playing time because there were some injuries. Now he's not playing nearly as much, but he's still getting the SBs. Is this that that Rajay Davis from from yeah. many moons ago? Jared Dyson, maybe even like John Birdie of this year. That's not quite as high. He's not leading the league, but is Willie Castro this year's John Birdie? Where we need to be looking at him a bit more because th- he's got some availability. Once they're once they got healthy, he got some availability. But he's back playing. Um, he himself was out for a little bit, and now he's played each of the last three days. What do you think of Willie Castro? And should he be rostered more with his twenty five steals in? Just 12 games. Again, I want people to know that I'm joking about that. He's played plenty of games, but he's been high impact in small volume. What do you think of Willie Castro? I mean, it kind of depends on what the Twins do at the deadline. Are the Twins going to add a third baseman? Like, they could be a buyer on Candelario, right? Um, So I think it really depends on what happens, you know, this week. Is Castro a good defender? Sorry to interrupt you. I don't think so. I think he's more of a... I think he's more of like a not great anywhere, but can yeah. play a bunch of different I think spots. I think that's the kind of utility. I think he was better in the outfield, if I recall, from when he was with the Tigers. Um, Did he play a bunch of outfield? I don't remember him playing outfield with the Tigers. Maybe I'm recalling. You know, I might be thinking of Victor Reyes, if I'm being yeah, 100% I honest. Are. I think he played but mostly second and third. I don't recall him being a, a very good shortstop. Which is that he was a shortstop prospect coming up. No, he played the outfield. Yeah, my old brain still works. Yeah, mm. he played a bunch of left and right. Uh, he did play those middle infield positions that you're talking about, Willie Castro. But he did play a decent bit of outfield, including a ton of center field last year. I say a ton, 121 innings, but a, a decent chunk there. And then 207 in left, 312 in 
in right. So he played all over the outfield last year for the Tigers. So anyways, to Willie be, Castro. To be quite honest, I didn't watch the Tigers very much last year. Hey, you saved your brain. The punishment. Yeah, very nice. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so 25 steals, but a 244 average, five homers in 87 games. Sorry, I interrupted your earlier part there. Are you picking him up in 15s? There is some availability for Willie Castro. Or I mean, if I need speed, like, you probably aren't going to have to spend very much on him. So I would probably pick him up and know that there's a really good chance that next, you know, the weekend after next, uh, I'd be dropping him. So, like, if they do add a third baseman, that could be a problem for him. Uh, it would absolutely be. Knowing the Twins, that they're probably not going to add anything. Like they'll probably just go, Hey, we can win this division without doing anything. I mean, I mean, no, like, in fairness they, to them, they can. they can. Yeah, they absolutely can. So do you like Willie anywhere else? 15s actually is not as available as I thought. Uh, my, my main event is actually a very rare one where he's available. 91% roster rate for Willie Castro. So the fact that he's available him up in and my, trade him to me, is that allowed? Like, <laughs> I need those steals too, dude. I actually yeah, need okay. to be looking at him this week. So what about in 12s where he's widely available? Does he, does Willie Castro play enough? And say, no. for example, in, in it, Yahoo. He hurts you too much in other categories. Okay, like so the steals just aren't yeah. worth it. Yeah, I don't think so. Okay. Well, then let's do uh, three down here, and let's start with another guy who is supposed to be delivering some speed. And to be honest, he hasn't really been that bad, but I do want to talk some Dalton Varsho um, because it hasn't been great. It's 12 and 12, homers and steals, but a 213 average is really weighing Varsho down. Now, the interesting thing is, despite all of this, he's still the 12th-ranked short. Uh, shortstop 12th ranked catcher on the year so in every format even one catcher and i would say even 10 team one catcher even though he's not a top 10 guy i still think he's perfectly viable as your catcher dalton varsho one of the questions becomes though spinning forward yeah what are we doing with him because he's not gonna be catcher eligible next year he hasn't played one game it's it's no, done it's, and we yeah, knew this was coming we knew this was coming so he's pacing toward about 2020 or so is that enough with this dreadful 213 average what can varsho do to improve the average do you like his future outlooks to improve the average and are you drafting him next year outfield only or do you uh do you think you'll move off of him once the catcher eligibility is gone dalton varsho struggling in the last 30 and that's why he's on three down but also been a bit of a disappointment for the entire season so what do you think about him um i'm, I'm taking a look at kind of just some some splits like he's been fine in terms of the underlying skills i'm he's got to be just getting extremely unlucky um so i'm just i, I want to see like what his xba is the xba is 225 hitting the ball decently hard but just not as hard as he did last season in the ball in the air like i'm really kind of surprised by this um you know he's by, got, by the he's, by the struggles yeah by by how bad the struggles are like you know there's a range of outcomes where even if you're like hitting the ball decently and stuff like that that like oh you know yeah 230 in to 270 is the range of outcomes so for him to be hitting you know 210 like is a little ridiculous i think yeah um i think he's one of those guys that it'll be really interesting to see what his adp is because i think there are going to be some people who are like he was only valuable as a catcher. I'm, I'm not, I'm not eating that to you know 15 average. Um, if if that's the case and the market is so down on him, I think he'll be a really nice buyback opportunity. Is there a lot of people that just see the name value and go, hey, he was a second, third round pick last year. I'm gonna, 
I'm going to throw him back. You know, I'm going to still take him in the sixth. Then, then he's probably a little, then it'll probably be a little bit overrated. So I think it'll be really interesting to take a look at the early ADP and see where he ends up. Yeah. I am really curious. It's going to, it's going to matter so much on how Varsho finishes, but I could see myself buying the dip a good bit. Because 2020 in the outfield is still very good, and I don't believe he's a 213 hitter. So if he finishes around there, let's say it's more like a 220, right? He adds seven points over the rest of the year, but he gets to the 2020, and his value just plummets, and we see Dalton Varsho going like outside the top 100, then he's another guy I'm going to have on a bunch of teams. I'm going to have Yelich yeah. and Varsho everywhere because I don't believe that he's I, – I, I don't think he's a 213 hitter. So yeah. if that if that depresses his price a ton, I'm going to be buying in. So we'll see how it goes. It's hard to say right now because we don't know how he's going to finish. But he will not have catcher. Um, you know, I, I think it would take like Jansen and Alejandro Kirk to be abducted uh, to put him in at catcher for 20 games. It's mm-hmm. just not going to happen. So uh, let's talk to Oscar Hernandez, his former, not his former teammate. In fact, he was gone by the time that uh, that Varsho got there. Former Blue Jay himself, though. One homer, one steal, 191 average, and a 56 WRC plus in the last 30 days. He's been pretty underwhelming overall on the season with just a 95 WRC plus, 16 homers, five steals. I wasn't the biggest fan of his coming into the year, going out to Seattle. I've always liked Teoscar as a player, but the plate skills with the worst park, Everything setting up. I thought it was going to be a tougher season. Of course, I also had, I had Fraley and Will Myers ahead of him, and I got question marks on both. So give me one up, one down on that because Fraley's been great, but Will Myers comically awful. So I'll, I'll take my heat on that one. But Teoscar was somebody that I kind of faded and I'm a little bit nervous about. And with the 288 OBP, I'm feeling kind of justified there. Um, where are we at on Teoscar? He's 30 now. He had, does have bad, bad plate skills. Have we already seen the best of him? And now comes the sharp decline. What do you think of Teoscar Hernandez? I don't know about sharp decline. I mean, he still hits for power. I think the park hurts him. Uh, I wonder if he gets traded at the deadline, if this, the Mariners decide to be sellers. You know, with the Angels adding all these pieces, are they afraid that they're pretty much done in the division? Uh, maybe they try to retool for next year and Teoscar is uh, a part of kind of the retooling, kind of shipping him off, trying to recoup some value. So if he leaves Seattle, I mean, he's probably going to be in a better park uh, more than likely. So um, I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't think like the skills have deteriorated that much where I go, Oh, like he's that, you know, that big of a, you know, like his, his zone contacts actually up from last year. Um, the, you know, the problem is he's just swinging more and he's swinging outside the zone more. Um, yeah. So I think, and but I think that part of that is probably pressing. Like he's in a new location, in a park that doesn't play well for power. He's trying to hit his way out of you know an extended slump. I think he's going to turn into not what he was a few years ago when he was like you know just a a massive talent. But like, why can't he be a two sixty five hitter with a bunch of home runs? Like I, I because think because he, he has bad plate skills and he's in a worse park. And he's well, but I, I don't think he old. will be. He's got a 252 XBA. Like he's getting unlucky. Like is his um I, I think bit. this is a decent buy low, especially if he gets traded to a nice park. Do you think he gets moved this year? I think there's a chance. You don't think yeah, they're buying? I don't know. They're in fourth place in the division. And like, Yeah, but where's that put them in the wild card? I, I think it probably puts them pretty nah, far four back. And a half back. Nah, four oh, and a half back it? in the wild card. Okay. But okay. now yeah. now 
we are at that point where you have to also consider how many teams are in front of you. The game yeah. count matters, but then how many teams? It is three teams, but four and a half is a literal nothing deficit at this yeah, point. I'd go sure. so far as to say that like an eight game deficit at this point is pretty much nothing. Um, if, if, you, if you don't have like eight teams in between you uh, and they have Boston Yankees and the Angels in front of them. Also, Yankees and uh, Red Sox are deep in their division as well and they're mm-hmm. in the mix. So that's kind of interesting. That's because nobody in the Central besides <laughs> yeah. the division winner is yeah. an actual contender though. So it creates some extra space there. And listen, we've been pro Teoscar on this show quite a bit over the years and, and you've carried that torch further as I've kind of but, uh, faded from him. It was all about the price. Like, you know, Always. When the price went up through the roof. Like, it, you know, I think we both were like, okay, we got yeah. our we, we got our bonus and now we're letting it go. So uh, so now if it comes all the way back down, then, yeah, yeah. I, I'll get into I, I agree with that. And I'm always rooting for him. Like, it's one of those things where sometimes you're down on a guy, but you you root for him and like you'd be fine if you're wrong. If Teoscar were to come out and hit 35 this year, I'd be like, sweet. I'll take that fat L, but uh, I was nervous about him going to Seattle. We'll see how it finishes up. But I can hear you with the with the extra, with the way he's hitting, giving him a better XBA than than we're seeing. Okay, maybe there is a little bit more there. Nick Prado, guy I am holding right now, but might be on the chopping block this week in my main event. I uh, just didn't really have anybody to cut. I I, I did that thing where I was going to cut him for like three exclusive players last week if I could get them didn't get any of them so I just held them for one more week but the problem with Nick Prado right now is the strikeouts are off the charts two homers zero steals 178 average and a 52 WRC plus in the last 30 days for Nick Prado the K's are just kind of swallowing swallowing him up and that's a big problem right now um, I'm wondering if you're holding Nick Prado even in 15 teamers. 38% K rate, 10% walk on the season, 93 WRC plus and seven homers. Is there even any 15 team viability for the 24 year old first baseman? So I went back to June 1st. Since June 1st, he is hitting 193, 273, 340 with five home runs uh, and zero stolen bases. He's hitting 199 with a 317 Babbitt. Jesus. Like, like he's not getting unlucky. He deserves yeah. it. He's striking out at a 41% clip since June 1st. You said that uh, since June 1st. Do you want to know when I picked him up? Hmm. June 4th. Makes sense. So uh, now he's been on my bench for the overwhelming majority of that. So I didn't get stuck with all that. But I've gotten a decent bit of the recent run uh, with Nick Prado. Like I said, I am looking to replace him. Where's your outlook? Where's your outlook long term? Because remember, and I've brought this up before, but it's been a while since Pasquantino's out now. But I always like to bring up he Prado was the Uber prospect over Pasquantino, and then they flipped. Obviously, Pasquantino's hurt now, so Prado's found some PT. Does he still carry the the prospect hype from last year, or have we adjusted down on Prado? I think we've adjusted down, and rightfully so. I think. I mean, I think at this point, like. He needs to like show like continued ability to keep good play skills. He hasn't been able to do that, and, you know. I mean, I think the only reason he's even playing is because Kansas City is pa- so Pasquantino's bad. out because, and, because well, of Pasquantino's injury, yeah. right? Yeah, which is Kansas City so bad. Like even if if Kansas City was competitive and Pasquantino was out, I mean, Prado's not playing. They they would have brought in the Carlos Santana or someone. No, like no, 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 no. He has a ninety four OPS plus. I think he'd still be playing because he's twenty four. I think he'd still be playing. Depends how competitive. There's a world I can I can see what you're saying. But I think for the most part, they'd still be playing him because he's 24 and they want to see where he's at. But that he's definitely playing that way because 
they have nobody else and they're I a mean, dog shit team. He had since June first, he has a sixty-five WRC plus. I feel like I feel like you're picking on me. I feel like you know when I picked like, him up now, and you're still bringing course, up that period. This is amazing. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's just what I have sorted. Uh, yeah, <laughs> very very mean of you to do that. <laughs> The, the next week, though, I did pick up Yiner Diaz and Kerry, and I re-picked up Kerry Carpenter because he was coming back from injuries. So those have worked I, out. Yeah, I can I can feel good about those mm-hmm. there as I uh, beat myself up and then and then pick myself back up. Let's talk some interesting two steps next week and see where you're starting them, if anywhere. Our boy, he's back. I want to say this is very recent that we recently talked about mm-hmm. Kyle Gibson. Was it in a two step or was it a three see, up, I, three down? We wouldn't have talked about him any other way. I I, I, yeah, I don't think so. Uh, oh no, it was actually as a potential buy low starter at the beginning of the month. And I think we probably both, yeah, I think you're right. And we both said no. Yeah, because he had a 405 Sierra, but a 684 ERA. Mm-hmm. And we said no because of his extreme volatility, which still exists. And the difficult part about him, I write in the SP chart, you know, uh, so I go over guys day to day, five days a week. Gibson's volatility pisses me off. Yeah, He has at Toronto and home to the Mets next week. And in Kyle Gibson form, it's going to be seven scoreless 12Ks at Toronto and 14 earned against the Mets at home. Like, that's just the shit that he always does. So he's impossible to time. And it's so frustrating. And our grass looks like shit out front right now because he's not Mm -hmm. watering it properly. That's a very deep joke for uh, our longtime listeners. Are you starting Gibby anywhere at Toronto home to the Mets? I mean, I guess in 15s where you don't have very many options, I guess you can. But other than that, no. No long shots in twelves. No, no way. Okay, not, I didn't think not, so. Not at Toronto. Th- then we then we don't need to go too yeah. deep on it. Then uh, let's go to Ben Lively out in Cincinnati, who is uh, kind of interesting. Remember him as a Philadelphia farmhand and kind of came up with them and did some things. Goes over to KBO for a few years. Looks to kind of establish himself a bit more. Comes back to Cincy. Doesn't really hit the radar until he starts putting a few things together. Now he's actually hitting some 15-team radars. Definitely in the main event universe. Ben Lively at the Cubs, home to Washington. Is he starting to pique your interest in 15s, maybe even 12s? Where are you at on Ben Lively, the righty for the Cincinnati Reds at age 31? Yeah, I mean, you could do worse. I think it's hard to want to start him at home. You know, in, yeah. in that park because he does have a homer issue, but uh, he's done a really good job of inducing a lot of weak contact, getting you know out of innings uh, when he gets in trouble. So I do think there's going to be blowups along the way, and uh, you know you're not like super afraid of Washington, but at Chicago might be a little bit scary. So yeah, I think this is one you can. I think it really depends on what the Cubs do, right? If the Cubs decide to sell, which doesn't seem like they, will, I don't think they're going to. Yeah. Um, then I could see starting him. But if the if the Cubs are full force, oh, that's it's kind of a risky start. I think maybe Washington. It's a tough one. I think Washington could be bad enough, especially if they sell pieces as we expect them to do. Mm-hmm. That it's worth taking the game ball in Chicago to get the Washington start. Yeah, I, that's kind of where I come out with Lively, particularly in fifteen teams. Although he's not as available in the main event, he's ninety six percent rostered, so it really is twelve team pickup. I think Lively's a team streamer in fifteens for sure. Mm-hmm. Straight streamer in tens and twelves. 
Okay, perfect. You answered my question then. JP France, we've talked about him in the two-start realm, and he continues to kind of keep himself relevant. Despite the modest skills output on the strikeout and walk rate, we keep coming back to him because the results are there. He gets Cleveland and a trip to the Yankees, which they might have Judge back, which would make that scary again. They've been completely non-scary with without Judge. He alone would turn that into a little bit of a scare, but you're talking about JP France with 17% K, 7% walk is good, but 17% K and 9% swing and strike, those suck, Justin. But I see a 287 ERA and a 122 whip. Those don't go together, by the way. The whip says the ERA will come up. And decent win probability in Houston. Is that enough for you to go for JP France in 12s? Well, He's already on 15s. And both, both Altuve and Jordan came back yesterday, so the win That's probability right. just went up. I think JP France is pretty close to a must start in 15s right now, and definitely a, a should start in 10s and 12s. Like I think, okay. especially with this, this set of matchups, I know Judge could be back, but um, I'm I'm not afraid of the Yankees right now. So uh, yeah, I think I think France is probably a start in every format right now. It, it's hard to get him out of the lineup. And again, I look at the whip against the ERA and I say the ERA is going to go up 122 whip, 287 ERA. You could just look at the ERA indicators for that. But he's been pitching so well that I, I'm riding him if I've got him. I think in a 10, you might have a better rotation that you don't have to. Mm-hmm. But if you're, if you're scraping, then JP France could be your guy. Yep. Griffin Canning, I think you're going to eliminate him instantly as soon as I say the words at yep. ATL. Yeah. No, no so way. Um, I just can't do it. And it's tough because you never get two steps with LA guys. But are you really even getting one here when it includes that? And you, so Griffin not, Canning. You, you still may not if the Angels add another starting pitcher. So, also like, true. They could add yeah. another guy in and, and boot. <laughs> By the way, oh, I meant to bring this up with regards to Giolito. My boy Chase Silseth. He was back in. It was looking yeah. good. He didn't even get to make the start against Detroit because they got rained out, and so he gets punted instantly. Is he an auto cut, or yeah. are you holding Chase Silseth in 15s no. at all? Okay. Yeah, he's an auto cut. Okay, because if he can't, yeah, he's the seventh starter right now out of their six. Mm-hmm. Uh, Edward Cabrera gets home against Philly and a trip to Texas. Nope. Texas is always scary, and, and that's why you eliminate him. Yeah, I mean, okay. well, and, and, and Philly, his general control. Philly's issues. starting to hit too, and, and then yeah. you add in his, his general issues. Yeah. No, I'm with that. I don't need to go any deeper than that. Edward Cabrera is terrifying to me. Jose Quintana gets to go to KC and Baltimore. Both parks are nice now these days, which is so it's still so weird to say that about yeah. Camden. My my brain always double checks that. Like, are you sure you should be saying that in August, no less? But um, that is the case at KC at Baltimore. Quintana's looked all right since coming back. I really liked what he did last year. I picked him up in the main, so I'm I'm pretty bullish on this. Uh, so I'm going to say yes on these. But what do you think Absolutely. about Jose Quintana? Yeah, the automatic no's for Atlanta and Texas, automatic yeses for Kansas City. That's yes. in, in, and Oakland. So that's a hundred percent where I'm at. I hinted at this guy earlier because we've talked about him at least 15 times. First off, how does he get so many t- damn two steps? Ranger Suarez, is he in a three man rotation? Because he's on the two steps every other week, it seems. Yeah, you and know, he- like Otani is on the every sixth day. He, uh, yeah. Suarez is on every third day. <laughs> exactly. We, we just haven't had a chance to talk about his three start weeks. No, um, no, we we haven't gotten those in, yeah. but he gets them every once in a while. He starts on Monday. He uh, goes Monday, Wednesday, Sunday. But yeah, yeah, he's. It's funny how often we've brought him up because of this. But he's been right there in that mix of like he's always a team streamer at least in 15s. But he's mm-hmm. kind of made himself 12 team team streamer ish. You've dealt with your own trials and tribulations. At Miami home to KC. You already said KC is an automatic, so I know you're starting him. 
But what is your outlook on Suarez right now? Where's your confidence level? Because it was low. It's gone up. Has it come back down with some recent struggles? Or where do you currently stand with Ranger? Yeah, I mean, I think this is kind of who he is as a guy who he's going to run hot. He's going to run cold because he gives up so much contact. He's also going to hurt your whip. So I think, like, you know, obviously you're starting him this week with Kansas City on the docket. But Miami's really good against left-handed pitching. Um, so I would, you know, if you have the ability to sit one and start the other in like a daily moves lineup, I'm sitting against Miami and then I'm starting even in uh, Miami. Yeah. Even in Miami. Okay. Um, but if I have to, if I have to, if I have to take both or none, I'm taking both. Yes. If both, if it's both or none on Rangers, as far as you got to go both at Miami home to KC, I think I like them at Miami a little bit more. He's just so frustrating because when, when you miss a great start from Ranger Suarez, you're like, dang it, dude, seven scoreless with eight Ks. That's so good. You know, he's done that type of start a bunch of times this year. But when he has a bad one, it's like five and a third, four runs, four walks, four Ks. It, it doesn't like, kill you. you no, know? it never, it, that's, yeah. that's the beauty. At least this year, he doesn't have any like just major duds. It's not, like, yeah. It's not like you giving up seven earned runs and three. Thank God. Nine, so know? let's hope he doesn't do that this week with Miami and KC. You can uh, just so, skip the next one because he's not going to be on the card. So he's not I don't think so either. Right Jack Flaherty, Minnesota, Colorado. Um, if he is, if he is, that's both both at yeah, home. Yeah, abs- absolutely. Because okay. if both at home, you're in Colorado. I agree with you, by the way, it, though, that it, it, he's not no, going to be. No shot that Jack Flaherty is on the Cardinals come Tuesday. So, yeah, I, I'm I'm with you. So I, I agree with that. So don't go picking him up just because of this two yeah. step. If you like Flaherty a bit, the rest of the way feel free but unless he gets traded today or tomorrow he might not be ready to get the two-step and so that could ruin your, your your game plan there john gray white Sox in miami both at home he's been tumultuous of late he's yeah. been a frustrating roster i mean pretty much for his career right because he's pitched in colorado for the bulk of it which has been frustrating and then even when he's gotten out of colorado he's pitched better as we had hoped and expected but then health has been a problem with texas so i love john gray i always root for him uh but he frustrates the hell out of me as a fantasy player so what do you think about white Sox miami for john gray coming off a dreadful start at houston I think unless you're win seeking and you're just hoping that the Rangers are going to win like a seven, six ball game, I'm probably being very cautious with starting John Gray in tens and twelves. I think 15s probably think don't have better have options. Yeah. Yeah. But in tens and twelves, I don't think I would start unless I'm absolutely win seeking. Right. Yep. I think we're in like damn near lockstep on everything here. The only thing we had yeah. a little disagreement on is I like Ranger Suarez at Miami a little bit more than you. Other than that, we saw eye to eye here. So some interesting two steps out there to go get. Um, I think you mentioned this at the outset, or was this offline that you have to start playing more to your standings than than your actual best I players think, yeah. going in. Yeah, I think I mentioned it offline, but it's it's really interesting looking, especially like at you know Friday switches and then Monday lineups and stuff. Like, make sure you're playing your line, your your league standings, right? If, yes. if you're a roto league, right? Um, like I'm right now, I'm sitting really good hitters who don't steal bases for not very good hitters who do steal bases. You'd be playing a Willie Castro over like a Carrie Carpenter. Yep, absolutely. Because you you need those yeah, steals that bad. In my, my main event, I'm pretty sure I'm like winning every hitting category except for stolen bases. And stolen bases, I can move up and move a lot of ground. So like, yeah, like I'm starting Brandon, or I'm not starting Brandon Nimmo 
over Lars Newtbar this week. And like I'm I'm starting a bunch of, you know, speedster guys. I spent a lot of money on Sal Freelick hoping he can steal some bases. I like um, him, by the way. Yeah, I do too. Uh so like be very be very in tune with your league standings where you can gain ground and where you can lose ground. Yes. And where other people around you in the standings can gain and lose ground. So. And do not forget the rate stats. Our yep. buddy Todd Zola has been on this for years yeah, now. That's yep. before I first really uh, heard it being analyzed and, and written about. Not to forget about the rate stats. The only metrics where people can come back to you. That is very important when people write off their batting average or their ERA and they start to see a move, but they see it too late. And they're like, I could have been adding here because teams were coming back to me. Do not give up on your rate categories. Obviously, there's certain times, you know, if you're 28 points of batting average away from gaining a single point, then okay, yeah, you're in some trouble there. But too often, people make assessments about rate stats that are just wholly incorrect. Uh, and so it can be difficult to analyze because people can go up and down, but just don't forget those categories. And you, you do need to start playing your categories. And another warning that we always give, more and more people are going to start going into football and that yep. will create opportunities for your bids and, and for your standings will get softer because people won't be playing as hard as they are in the bottom of leagues. And that just happens. To, to your point, in my main event, I was in second place earlier this week. Uh, I'm now in fifth place because I've lost seven points in rate stats in one day. I lost oh, my God. Oh, four yeah. points on ERA. T tell them. Tell them about, about the three starts. I had I had six starters go in three games on Wednesday. Guaranteed to get at least one win, right? Like yeah. cuz you got you got six starters in of three course, games. Of course I was. You get at but least in, one. In, instead I got 27 innings <laughs> of a 9 ERA <laughs> no. and like a 2 whip or something like that. Um and zero wins. I got some strikeouts oh. at least, but um it was it was pretty pretty fucking brutal. So That's a um, nightmare, dude. Yeah, so uh but yeah, I mean just the rate stats, you can move a lot yep. in ERA and WHIP, um, and I don't think people are willing to sit down and do the math on that. Well, it's um, hard, too, because you don't know what your opponents are going to get. So really, the, yeah. the best strategy is to just not give up on those yeah, because absolutely. you don't know. Now, you will maybe get to a certain point where your ratios look pretty good, but your wins aren't. So you do have to kind of sacrifice those a little bit. That's a strategy. Our main point here is saying don't ignore them saying, oh, I can't fix my rates at least make sure you know exactly where you stand right now because things can change there. So absolutely, we got a stretch run. It's going to be two plus months. There's going to be a lot that changes. You guys are all, you know, there's going to be people with stories of I was 18 points back and I won my league or I had a lead and this, you know, so much is still going to happen. So stick with it. Even if you play fantasy football, if you're competing, mm -hmm. make sure you're paying attention to your baseball leagues. Anyway, absolutely. Justin, what's going on for Sunday? You guys getting together? I believe we are, but I got to double check with Jason. Okay. And then uh, Nick and I, Nick Pollock and I are going to have a trade deadline show uh, this week. I know you're going to be on with Joe Rico doing his mm -hmm. show as well, but maybe we could steal you for a few minutes for I, ours. I think I'm going to try to jump into a bunch of different, uh, my kid's going to go to daycare that day. And I think I'm going to, Tower's going to do a stream. Joe Rico's doing a stream. You guys are going to stream. I think I'm just going to jump into a crap ton of live streams on Tuesday. We'd love 10, 15 minutes with you for Absolutely. sure. Absolutely, yeah. Especially Go if your Giants are making moves, but even if mm -hmm. not, we just want they to talk won't. to you. So they, they, uh, They're going to do exactly what they've done the last few years, which is stand pat, maybe make an ancillary move here or there. You don't think uh, their recent struggles are going to prompt some – well, I, never mind. They're, they're still would, the top wild card. Yeah, I forgot. Yeah, yeah they're still yeah, the top they're, wild card. Yeah, I mean, there's and they're only four games back of the Dodgers. Like, it's, Yeah. Like, they're right there. Do they like, buy then? 
No, I think they do exactly what they've done. You think the last just few years. perfect they middle? Literally stand pat. Like maybe that's they nauseating. Add, they add a depth piece. Yeah, they're they're doing exactly what I I want them to be really good or really bad. Don't yeah. be the middle team. You know, like either sell all the pieces or buy or all go the buy pieces. something big and replace Brett freaking wisely. Who the hell's yeah, that? Exactly. Like that could have been a good one for your. Uh... They're not gonna. They're not gonna. Do yeah. Okay. So, uh, but yeah, if if they have to make a move, then you'll be great for that. But even if not, we'll have you on for sure. Uh, good luck on Sunday, and I'll talk to you later. Take it easy.